Let's head over to the other side of the Tasman. Plenty to talk about in Australian sport and joined by our correspondent from there, Peter Lusted. Uh, good afternoon, Peter. How's things? G'day, Craig. Good things. Well, uh, we've just had another rivalry, the Bledisloe, number three. New Zealand win that 3-0. But uh, what's been the take on the Australian performance in that test match in Japan? Because on this side of the Tasman, I think people thought they played pretty well. Yeah, much improved, wasn't it? Um, there wasn't that sort of second-half capitulation. Obviously, the All Blacks sort of went away with it. Uh, but I think you could see uh, some some uh, some improvements. I mean, obviously, the Wallabies have still got, you know, some um, improvements at the set-piece. That's been the, time, the, the story throughout the Rugby Championship. But I think in general play, for mine, watching the two bladders lows so far, you can just see the clear discrepancy in the sides. New Zealand's line speed in defence uh, is, you know, is superior, and also they've got that... Uh, amazing counter-attacking rugby, which which often comes off that. They force a mistake and then, bang, there's a try. Uh, I, I felt that uh, in the defence was probably a bit closer. The Wallabies did put off some, some good hits and uh, they were more defiant on their line. They didn't fold as much. There was some real uh, more dogged stuff as a team, which was good to see. And also, I just think so, uh, that, that discrepancy you've been able to see between the two sides in the first two bladders, in the speed in which they, they handle the ball. I mean, you can see often the Wallabies will sort of hold the ball up and, and put the put the ball uh, to, to the man who's, you know, behind the line uh, and then spin it there. It just, as you see it unfold, you can see it happening, whereas with the All Blacks, they've got multiple ball runners moving at one time, genuine threats, and uh, and you're not sure where they're going to put it. Uh, it's obviously a very, you know, it's a more general sort of assessment, but I just think that the uh, the speed in which the two sides did things uh, looked a lot closer in this last blitters line, and the Wallabies had their chances. Mm. I mean, uh, we start that second half where they just got the try back on the other side of the first half. They had the ball deep in their territory. Rodder drops it stone cold five metres out, and they had a lot of opportunities there. They ended up kicking the three. Uh, but I think in this match also, you know, my mind thinks of the first two minutes where they, they just went, you know, uh, that great tackle to put Hale Petty over the sideline. They they had their chances, uh, the Wallabies, and uh, and I think uh, they were a lot closer than what we've seen in the other matches. Uh, also, we've also seen a real fade out physically from the Wallabies, and I don't think that was as much of the case in this match later on in the game. Um, uh, but still 17 points. But I think they've actually got some, uh, uh, you know, I don't think that was uh, as, you know, some of the other games have been blowouts, yeah. but I think the Wallabies were a lot closer this time. So some finally some positives for Checker there. Absolutely, and it'll be a, a lot of interest in how they go at the end of the year tour, as with all the teams from the Southern Hemisphere. When it comes to coaches, Checker under a bit of pressure, but I dare say, uh, you know, that will give him some confidence. But in the NRL, gee whiz, is it just a case of all the coaches get together and then they say, well, I want to coach that team next year. Who wants to coach mine? Do they just go that merry-go-round? Because obviously we've got Michael Maguire now uh, named and uh, Ivan Cleary uh, is about to be uh, taking charge of the Panthers. Yeah, it's it's bizarre, isn't it? I mean, we've, we've seen this sort of thing before and we often see it with players as well, you know, one domino or four. But really, we've never seen anything like this with coaches and so many coaches involved as well. Uh, as you say, Cleary... He'll be at the the Panthers for probably we're looking at five years now. So that'll be uh, and look, it's a big asterisk on that with Gus Gould runs the club whether he sees that out. Uh, But uh, he'll be there a long time. The other real, I guess, the final piece to come of this is what happens with Bennett and Seabold. Will they swap uh, for 2019? Which they're obviously both contracted (laughs) still to their clubs. I really I can't see that happening. Uh, Bennett, I think, is basically talking a little bit tough, so he'll ensure that he gets paid out for that 2019 season by the Bronx. 
uh, and then he will be coaching South Sydney at 2019 and Seabold the Broncos at 2019. It's a crazy turnaround uh, and, and the way it's all sort of fallen. Uh, but look, it's it's eventually got there, and, and look, it's basically come to the time where we're, we're just seeing what happens with the players, where uh, you know the contracts aren't really worth what they're signed on anymore, and and it ends up, you know, even if you do say, I and mean, we saw Ivan Cleary come out initially and said, you know, I'll definitely be staying out my deal, but then. You know, signs a contract beyond that with Penrith, and it was always going to be there after that. I mean, you can't have a coach, you know, plotting uh, another <laughs> club's future no. while he's at the club for that year. So, uh, I think it leaves a bit of a, you know, bit of taste in the mouth the way it's going. But you know, with all the money in the game now, it's going to become a business, and, and this is what happens when you get that. Who would have thought the Warriors have got a bit of solidity when it comes to that area? <laughs> you know, normally that's, that's yeah. the case for them. It's the other, the shoes on the other foot. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's quite bizarre, isn't it? But um, yeah, look, uh, you never know what's happening with the NRL. I mean, that you know, we might see Sean Johnson leaving there. So uh, wow, yeah, uh, there's, ne- there's never uh, there's never there's never stability in the NRL. It's always interesting. <laughs> Absolutely, I tell you what, when it comes to cricket, the headlines and one of the names that always seems to be in it is David Warner. He was again involved in an incident in the weekend in grade cricket in New South Wales where he walked off um, through his innings because he'd had a bit of a confrontation or words have been said um, with an opposition player who is actually Phil Hughes's brother. Um, can you tell mm. us a, a little bit about what's been spoken about on your side of the Tasman, the reason why that's happened? Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? It's, uh, he, he basically walked off mid-innings. Uh, yeah. And as we know with the rules, it's a sort of once you, you walk off, he wasn't retired hurt. So... Uh, he, sh- he should have been out, but obviously yeah. with the circumstances, the Western Suburbs players were fine for him uh, to come back. Uh, and what really is, I guess, the interesting point here is this wasn't just anyone sledging, this is Philip Hughes's brother. So there's a lot of emotion caught up with that as well. Uh, there's been talk, uh, different sort of reports on what was said. Uh, we also heard um, uh, from Candace Warner, David Warner's wife, who spoke on the weekend. She said, uh, look, speaking uh, from her side of things, that he basically removed himself from the situation because he didn't like where it was going. He thought it was ugly. She said they were very hurtful comments, and that in uh. her eyes it was constituted as abuse. Um, <laughs> now, what we've heard from uh, the Western Suburbs is that they said, look, there was hardly a barrage. There was one comment. Uh, there's some reports that basically he said uh, that you're a disgrace and you shouldn't be allowed to play cricket. Um, of course, we know with the whole context of this, and, and this is obviously, I'm sure, what New Zealand people are thinking, and, and uh, it's basically what the Australian public is thinking as well, is, well, hang on, mate, you've been spraying everyone for a decade and, yeah. and uh, sort of hid, hidden behind that for a fair while. Well, uh, you know, surely you've, uh, you've got to be able to cop it sweet as well when it comes the other way, uh, especially seeing what the damage he has done to the game in Australia. And, you know, in a lot of ways, we'll be lucky to get back into the Australian team more because of his ability, not because of uh, the character of the man. But, um, mm. look, uh, there's a lot of questions about that. And I guess what really makes it uh, the more intrigue is, is where this came from as well. I mean, you would think that David Warner would be ready to be uh, getting sprayed from all sorts of corners um, and would have mentally prepared himself to cop anything uh, about being a disgrace to the game. I mean, uh, you know, this is a guy who's been around the traps that you wouldn't think that would impact him that way. So, look, maybe that indicates that there was something else was said to another note uh, to really upset him the way it apparently has. Um, yeah, but, uh, that's all we've got to go so far. And, uh, 
But uh, look, I, David Warner's going to have to expect more of the same if that's what he's um, if that's what's upsetting him. I tell you what, uh, Peter, when I played my test debut against Australia, um, Glenn McGrath told me I was a disgrace to the game because of my ability with the bat. So I should have just walked off then. I might have made a bit of headlines. I tell you what, we got a bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, uh, it's an interesting thing, David Warner. Yeah, it's a little bit like a box with a glass door and complaining about uh, getting hit. Uh, well, just quickly before we let you go, uh, we've got the A League going on. The Phoenix picked up another point yesterday in Brisbane. Uh, what's the talk on your side of the Tasman about? the Phoenix this year after a win in the first game against Newcastle and now a point against uh, the Raw? Well, a lot of it comes from the, the Australian interest point, which is Mark Rudin, the coach, yep. uh, because he's well known over here and, uh, and has been talking a pretty big game. I mean, often we, we don't really hear from that much, so there's not always that much interest in the Knicks, but there has been more this year in him because, uh, you know, he's one of the coaches that has come through the NPL system um, and uh, there's always interest for, you know, Australian coaches. So look, uh, one thing that you know has definitely been shown is that they're hard to beat. I mean, they really should have had back-to-back wins if uh, Taylor doesn't, you know, miss one of the. Oh, that'll go down <laughs> as the miss of the season, or, or someone will have to, I don't know, do something very special yeah. uh, to, to to overtake it. But uh, look, that's they're definitely hard to beat, and uh, and look, there's, there's always I think respect for individuals. Krishna is always someone that they uh, A League teams know has you know the pace and the danger to attack and. And Burns has been, you know, an absolute star previously in the A-League. But I think maybe the collective is starting to get a bit more respect. I mean, it's only early days, uh, but, you know, a good start for them. And uh, and I think obviously also important is uh, to get results on the road. Historically, you know, it's something the Phoenix have really struggled with. And uh, although it was only a draw, uh, you know, there's building blocks. It's, it's a tricky start to the season in that it's hard to exactly work out because, you know, who are the movers? Because there's been so many draws. But... Um, I think at this stage they're definitely put down as oh let's let's give them a few more weeks and see what they put together, uh, but are definitely a promising start and and look they've already got a big scalp in Newcastle who came from the clouds last year and uh, and, and you know were pretty impressive against Adelaide as well so a, a promising start um, but uh, I guess we'll uh, will remain to be seen before too many A League sides over here are, are shaking in their boots at yeah, this stage. Absolutely, Peter Lustig out of Australia. Great to catch up. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Craig.